this morning. We're continuing today in our look at what complete forgiveness means from a biblical standpoint. And we're going to be talking today about pressing toward. Okay, pressing toward. And we, we went over this passage of Scripture a couple weeks ago where, where Paul says, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. And we talked about what that meant in Paul's life because that was a, that was a powerful statement because he's talking about persecution of the church. He's talking about just mean, being an incredibly uh, wicked man and how he's got all of this history, all of this baggage that he brings with him in his past, but yet he makes this, he says, not that I've arrived, but I press on towards the mark. I press on forgetting what is behind me, moving toward what God has in store for me. And that's where we kind of started our look at forgiving ourselves. We spent a lot of time in forgiving others, and that was challenging. Then we moved to what might be an even more challenging concept in forgiving someone else who has hurt you or someone you loved. And we moved into the realm of forgiving yourself for the things that you have done. I don't know about you, but I am my own worst enemy. I am my own worst enemy. Like, if there's anybody that can sabotage a good thing happening in my life, it's me. But there comes times that we will not be able to press in and press toward what God has for us, His will, His plan, His purpose, if we are not willing to forgive ourselves. If we can't move past that, if we will not take that stance of, I'm not remembering, I'm choosing to put my past behind me. And we're going to be looking at a couple different passages today, but we're going to be talking about accepting yourself. You know, acceptance is, is one of those real hot-button words you know, in our culture. But it's not a hot-button word for in the realm of us accepting what we've done, who we are, and the past that we have. I want us to first look at Romans chapter 12, and I want to have it up here on the screen. We're going to read from the Phillips translation this morning. This is Romans 12, 3 and 4. It says, don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself and your importance, but try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you all. So this is Paul kind of giving us a challenge, issuing us a challenge of, listen, don't think too much of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. And, and I love the way that it's phrased here because Paul, the, in the original Greek, the inflection here is to make sure that you're not going outside of your calling. If God hasn't gifted you to do it, don't do it. No matter if that's what you want to do, what your heart's desiring to do, and what your flesh is wanting you to do, if God's not called you to do it, don't do it. So ha don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself and your importance. Listen, exa an exaggerated idea of myself 
would be that you all would stay here while I led worship. That would be an exaggerated expectation. Because I can promise you one thing, as your pastor, if you ever see me to get behind a microphone to sing, you need to leave immediately. Because I'm trying not to panic you. There is some type of emergency happening, and I don't want to tell you that there's an emergency happening, so I'm just going to start singing. That's a, that would be an exaggerated idea. I'm not called to sing. I'm not gifted to sing. That just doesn't happen. And then it says, or and your importance. I was, we've talked about this, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. This is not about us. It's not about us. It's not about, not about me. It's not about who has the most in the end wins. Thanks, Kelly. I don't get my car now. But, you know, it's not about the level of our exposure or what we feel like our relevance is to society. So Paul is giving us a sobering reminder here that we need to make sure that we seek after God's will for our lives. And when he begins to reveal that to us, then that's the lane we need to stay in. And I love the phrasing here on this, but try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities. Anybody ever known someone that has a challenge with that? Yeah, you may be looking at him, all right? But to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you all. See, Paul is, is giving us a sober reminder here, but he's also saying that God is calling you to something. That there is a level of importance you have. There is a level of calling and purpose and plan that you have in your life that has been given to you by God. And we need to make sure that we're seeking after God in order to see that happen in our lives. Do any of us in here this morning feel like where we are where God wants us to be? Like, do you feel like you have arrived? I mean, we could be in a physical location. We could be at a place in our lives where we say, that. listen, we know that God has guided us to this place, but in my relationship with him, I don't know if I have ever felt like I'm anywhere close to being where I need to be in my relationship with him. One of the reasons that we, we struggle with this sometimes, because again, we're, we're not going to arrive. All right, so accepting ourselves and where we are and who we are does not mean that we ever feel like we've arrived at our destination in our relationship with Jesus. But what it does mean is, in the words of Paul in Corinthians 10, 15, 1 Corinthians 10, 15, it says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul, again, before this, the context of this passage was talking about how he was the worst. He was the absolute worst and how all of the other disciples and apostles that he deserved to be one the least. But he says that it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. Anybody else share that testimony in here this morning? It is by the grace of God in our lives that we are what we are. Go back to the, the saying I've shared so many times before. Can't even remember who the original quote is to attribute it to. But I know that I'm not where I need to be or who I need to be. But thank God that I ain't what I used to be. 
I'm not where I need to be. I know that. I recognize that. I'm still journeying. I'm still moving. I'm still in progress. This is still a work in progress in my life. So I know that I haven't arrived, but thank God it's by his grace, his mercy, his love, his blood that I am not what I used to be. And that is a testimony in and of itself in our lives that by the grace of God, I am what I am. So three areas that I want us to look at this morning. We're going to talk about accepting our past. We're going to talk about accepting what is and then trust what is to come. Accepting what was, accepting what is, accept, trusting in God for what is to come. Accepting our past, accepting our present, and trusting God with our future. I would like to ask, just by a basic show of hands, how many of you have at least one thing in your past that if you could go back and change, you would? <laughs> yeah, i got some people flashing Roman numerals over here or something. I don't know if you are familiar with the account of John Mark in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, but if we're looking at what was accepting what was I, and, and i'm not going to read all of this scripture i'm going to just kind of give you the summary of john mark's story here john mark and his family was a very influential family in the early church his accounts take place in Acts 13 and Acts 15 of his beginnings but in Acts 12 we see that there is a prayer meeting that's happening with a group of believers a group of christians because peter has been imprisoned They've just lost one of the other apostles. They've, they've lost one of their brothers, and they don't want to lose anyone else. So they're praying for Peter, who's in prison. Now, you can go back and you can read that account. It's an incredible, incredible thing that, that Peter's released. It's an angelic visitation. There's Walmart automatic doors involved. I mean, doors opening themselves. It's incredible. And then it says that Peter thinks that he's having a vision. And then he gets out and it says that when he came to himself, <laughs> he realized what was happening. So he goes to the house where the prayer meeting's at. He may, you know, the, the, the servant girl, Rhoda, goes and he tells her who he is at the gate and she gets all kinds of crazy excited and doesn't let him in. She gets so excited, she just runs back into the house, tells everybody that Peter's at the gate. And I, I mean, could you imagine? I just, that's one of those, those things I want to see in heaven is a visual on that to see Peter going, hey, where are you going? Unlock the gate. And then she goes in, tells everybody in the house, hey, Peter's here. And then in one of the most amazing moments of rationale in the whole New Testament, the disciples go, Rhoda, you're crazy. You're crazy. See, Peter can't be out there because we're still praying for him to be freed. And just side note, don't, don't let the answer to your prayer pass you by because you've not said amen to your prayer just yet. But they're like, you're crazy. It must be his angel. Oh, for the day that we reason things in our mind by angelic visitation. But that whole story, to tell you that, that whole account, the house that they were meeting in for that prayer where Peter showed up 
was John Mark's family. That was their home. So understand there's a rich history here. He's like a prodigy, you know, young prodigy coming up in the ranks. So Paul and Barnabas take him on a missionary trip with them. And they get to the place of first resistance. And the book of Acts details that the moment that things got a little bit difficult, you want to know what John Mark did? He pulled a SpongeBob. All right, I'm going to head out. He just kind of slid on out there. He's like, I got to go. I don't know if I signed up for this. And there was such an intense argument between Paul and Barnabas that they ended up splitting. Like, neither one of them gave up on the faith, but they broke fellowship and broke company because of this. So it wasn't just a little menial event that took place. You see, what had happened was John Mark had accepted a call to go and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but in his mind at that moment, I don't think that he had quite counted the cost and what might be in his life. The first sign of resistance that we, re that we see recorded, John Mark goes home. And it leads to a, to a split between two of the early church patriarchs somewhat. See, we struggle with things so much because we all have a little bit of John Mark in us. Now, whether we've neglected a missions trip, I hope you didn't get to the Dominican and then be like, nope, I'm going back. Thanks. But we've all got this to where we felt like God was leading us to do something. We knew we needed to, and then something came up, and we feel like we neglected what God was wanting us to do. At least I have. That I feel like I have fallen so short of what God wants me to do that I'm led into guilt and shame. And I retreat back into my bubble. Now, so all of these things can look differently. You know, we can, we can talk about all kinds of varying sin and failures to the nth degree that would qualify us to be in this same position. But I think it suffice it to say that we all have a past that we struggle with. We all have things that we have done or things we have not done that we should have done that we struggle with. There's places, there's people, there's situations that we can look back in our lives, in our past, and really struggle with forgiving ourselves. And a way that that kind of manifests itself sometimes is like, maybe there's questions as to whether Jesus even really loves you. Anybody ever had that thought? I have. I mean, how could he? Right? I mean, look at some of the things that I've done. Look at some of this sin. Look at my past. Look at my history. Look at what I have done. How could someone truly, truly love me the way that Jesus says that he loves me?
We've all got these things in our past that the enemy just continues to circulate through our lives because we'll set and we'll fight and we'll wrestle with these thoughts of these failures and these sins and all of this, this wickedness that's in our hearts. And if we succumb to his schemes, then doubt begins to creep in, then fear begins to creep in, then questioning of, does Jesus even love me? I would say that if you've been coming to church for any time at all, there's been a moment that you've wondered, should I even be here? How, how dare I even be here? Look at me. Look at what I've done. I don't even deserve to be sitting in God's house. See, we all have this place that we're, we really struggle with what we've done. And until we get to the place where Paul eventually got to, where he says, forgetting what lies behind, or making the acknowledgement of, listen, I'm remembering everything that I've done. I can't forget that, and I wrestle with it all the time. But I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a recognition right now that I'm going to say that it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. And I am who I am. And then that moves us into this acceptance of what is. So we all have this history that we wrestle with. We all have these moments of failure, these moments of shortcoming that we have to, we have to reconcile that somehow in our minds. And if we can get to that place of accepting of like, listen, I, yes, I did that. I wish I hadn't have. Or I didn't do that. I wish I would have. But when we get to the place that we can accept who we are and what our past has been, then that moves us into accepting what is. Any of you lived perfectly yesterday? I failed miserably. I'll just be honest with you. In my relationship with the Lord, I failed miserably. Has anybody lived perfectly today? It's 11.17 Sunday morning. Anybody made it through the a.m. hours? Nope. So see, it would be so nice, wouldn't it, if we could just accept what we have done and go, all right, I am who I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Whew. everything's good now. But we wrestle with what we'd done five minutes ago, right? You may be wrestling with the car ride that you had here. Oh, you're sitting next to your spouse all nice and smiling now. But we've all had those car rides, right, on the way to church. Those moments of intense fellowship. <laughs> then you walk in church, praise God, hallelujah. See, we all struggle if we can accept what was. Then we move on to the battle of accept. This is good news, all right? Don't think I'm, I'm really telling you I'm encouraging here this morning. It's like, but when we accept what was, then we move into this realm of accepting what is. And John Mark, in the book of Colossians, we see that, remember, Paul and Barnabas, they split because of what John Mark did. The book of Acts. 
But in Colossians 4, 10, and 11, we see that Paul, in writing the church at Colossae, says this, said, Send John Mark, for he is good for service. Wait, wait a minute. I, I have questions. I have questions. The last, the last time we saw anything about John Mark, he had he just thrown up some deuces and headed home. And now, and now you're saying he's good for service? You see, had John Mark not been willing to at least accept the past and accept his shortcomings and his faults and his failures and press on, press toward his destiny in Jesus Christ, then Paul, I assure you, out of anyone in the New Testament, Paul would have not recommended him. Because Paul had one of his closest relationships at least split company over what this young man had done. And now he's saying he is good for service. Church family, understand something. Your past does not disqualify you from God using you today. That, that is good news. All of those thoughts, all of those failures, all of those things that maybe have been rotating through your mind and circulating through your mind, just even as I've been talking about the failures of your past, all of those things do not disqualify you from God using you now. And to that I say praise the Lord. Because... I have a list a mile long of reasons why God shouldn't use me. Past sins, past failures, things that I've messed up, things that I have things that I have just dropped. And I feel like there may be at least some in here today that you have convinced yourself that God cannot any longer use you. That you've just gone way too far. You've done way too much. It's a lie straight from the pits of hell. God can use you. God will use you. But we have to accept where we are. We have to accept who we are. And we have to accept the fact that in and of ourselves... We cannot achieve the, the, the will of God in our lives. We're going to show a video here in just a second. Devin's story. Uh, Devin and Colleen aren't here uh, this morning. They're out of town. But we, uh, we brought him in and had him share a testimony. Some of you have heard this uh, before. This is going to be brand new information to a lot of you. Um, but this is Devin. Uh, talking about his testimony about what was and what is in his life right now. Hi church, my name's Devin and I am so honored to be part of the FCC family. I'm so grateful to be part of this family. I want to share a little bit about my testimony today when Ben has been dealing with forgiveness. Uh, 
And it's such an important aspect for me because the Bible says, to whom much is forgiven, the same loves much. And I have been forgiven for so much. Um, when I was 18 years old, I, I had a troubled youth. And when I was 18, um, I took the life of a young man. And I went to prison for a long time. During that time, God got a hold of me. And through the incredible love of my mother, my life was transformed and I became a believer and receiver of Jesus Christ. But I had done the unspeakable. I had taken something that I could never get back. I had hurt a family, a community, robbed something. And I felt that. I felt that the weight of what I had done when I came to Christ. And it was a, a plaguing weight, was something that ate at my conscience. And just to be honest with you, I, I still deal with it. I still, still deal with it, but you know, I wanted to kind of express how I overcome that and how I go through that. Number one, it's coming back to the cross, you know, that I trust that Jesus' death and his blood is sufficient to forgive me for all my sins. And I also know that God has a purpose and a reason. I spent many years inside serving the Lord. And that was something that, you know, when I look at my crime, it, it, it hurts me. You know, I mean, I hurt somebody. I hurt a lot of people. But when I focus on what Christ did and his love for me and his forgiveness for me, there's freedom. In other words, I was freer inside than I'd ever been before in my life. I knew without a shadow of doubt that God had forgiven me, that conscience was cleared. Sometimes when I look back at those moments and I see what I've done and, you know, here's an example, I, I hold my daughter and I just realize what a gift she is to me. And, and sometimes when I do, I realize all the more what I stole from John's mother and how that can't be fixed. And sometimes that just makes me weep and cry. And I just pray again and just thank God for his forgiveness. And I, and I realize I have to walk in that, I have to walk in that forgiveness, otherwise I could be weighed down and I wouldn't be doing what God wants me to do. God has called me to freedom for freedom's sake, not to be entangled with that, the yoke that the devil would put on me and say that you're you know, guilty, and I am, and that you should be ashamed, and I am. But in Christ Jesus, I'm free. In Christ Jesus, he has done such a marvelous work in my life. And the other thing is, is that I'm outside of myself. I don't focus on that all the time, is that I'm serving Christ, walking forward, because I know that's God's purpose in my life. And when I'm not focused on me and what I've done and my past and all those things, I'm focused on what God has done. I've turned my eyes, you know, there's that old song, turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. It's, it's a wonderful song and it has a great truth because when I am focused on him and what he did on the cross and what he has for me, he says he has a great plan for my life. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give 
give you a future and a hope, plans not to harm you. And that future and the hope, and I, that's what I cling to, the hope that God has for me, the forgiveness, the coming kingdom, and the people that he has around me who have loved me. Even though I've done this horrible thing, they've received me as family. And so I just wanna say thank you. And I wanna encourage each person out there that if you're struggling with shame and guilt, just to look back to the cross and realize that's sufficient. Nothing else needs to be done. And then encourage if God is, is just, just to step into service. Use that which God is, has placed in your life. I use my testimony. If, I, if, if God can get any glory or somebody can come free for, from what I've done, then, hey, praise God, that, that, that helps me all the more just to realize, you know, God can do anything. That he can, like Joseph told his brother, said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring about the salvation of many people. And I think that's what's really important is that, hey, you know what, that which, which was evil, God's gonna even use that. And he's gonna say, you know what, man, I'm still gonna do something good out of this. That's the kind of God we serve. And that's an amazing. Thank you very much. I am incredibly thankful for this church family. I've said it a couple times. I don't know how many. I'll say it several more. This is one of the absolute honors of my life is to be able to pastor this church. And I am beyond thankful for that. And what I want to challenge you to do is I want you to look at someone who's next to you, sitting close to you, sitting around you, and I want you to take just a moment and I want you to verbally tell them something that you're thankful to God for. I have seen more smiles within the past 15 to 20 seconds than what I've seen for the rest of the morning. It brings joy, doesn't it? Kind of changes perspective. So let's talk about trusting God with what is, or what is to come, about, about this future that we have. Because we've talked about John Mark in the, with the past examples, with the present examples. Now let's talk about you in trusting God for what is to come. What you just did is the best thing that you can do to combat unforgiveness of yourself in your life. You want to know why that is? Because you are giving recognition when you are talking about what you're thankful for. You give recognition to God for something that He has blessed you with. You give glory to God for a blessing that He gave to you that you did not deserve. So here's kind of how I want to flip this, and this is going to be your application takeaway. If you struggle, if you're like me, and if you struggle with your past, if you're like me and you struggle with your present, then I want to challenge you to recognize what's happening in your heart. Because if you think back on what you've done, or if you're thinking about what you're doing right now, and it's leading you into a place of shame and guilt and feeling like a weight around your neck, please recognize that is the enemy in your life. That is not the work of God's Holy Spirit. 
But like Devin said in his video, whenever we can think back to where we have been, when we view it through the lens of the cross of Calvary, it should lead us to a place of thankfulness because God has brought us from there. That regardless of my past, no matter how horrible that I've been, no matter how terrible I've acted, things I've said, things that I've not said, words that's been hurtful, harmful to others, things that I wish I would have done that I didn't do, I can look back and I can make a decision to allow that to drag me down even further into shame or guilt. Or I can say, praise God from whom all blessings flow that he has taken me from this place and put me where I am. And he has planned for me a future. He has given me a purpose. And he has called me because of his grace and his love. And I am trusting him with everything that happens from here on out. I want to ask the praise team if they would to come and join me again. You know, we talked about during the forgiveness of others of how Forgiving other people was a daily battle. That's something that you choose to do daily. It is a life sentence that we work through each and every day of our lives. Guess what? Forgiving yourself is no different. Coming to the place that you're accepting what you've done, accepting what's happening, but you're viewing it through the lens of the cross of Calvary and through the blood of Jesus Christ that is trusting in the Lord and recognizing that, listen, there's days ahead that might be difficult. There's days ahead that I may stumble, I may fall, I may, I may come woefully short. But I'm trusting in God, the one who has brought me from where I was to where I am. I am trusting in God to get me to where he wants me to be. Amen? Amen. I want to ask you to pray with me this morning. God, I pray that you take this word and seal it in our hearts. God, that we can move into a place of forgiveness in our lives, that we can, we can accept our past, we can accept what was, what is, and God, most importantly, that we trust you, that forgetting all that lies behind and pressing toward the future that you have planned for us, the work that you have in our lives, God. I pray that we would come to that place in our heart that that is the lens that we view our lives through and focus solely and completely on the cross of Calvary. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.